0: Hello everyone, this is the Connected Family Podcast, episode number 35. This podcast is produced by Connections Family Counseling, LLC, a group counseling practice located in Quincy, Illinois, that helps build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. My name is Mark Vanderlei, and I'm your host. Today's episode is an interview with Melissa Hopper. Melissa is the author of a series of three books, entitled Can We Not Talk? This series of books is actually a parent workbook, a teen workbook, and a shared journal. And the purpose is to help parents and teenagers talk about the very difficult topics surrounding sexuality, sex, and relationships. And so we're gonna be talking with Melissa today about how to have that conversation with your teenager about sex and relationships and how to do it in a way that is not awkward, less uncomfortable, and really helps to instill in them the values that you desire for those relationships. So thankful to have you join us for the podcast today. Uh, here now is my interview with Melissa Hopper. Welcome back to the Connected Family Podcast. I'm so excited to have with me here today, Melissa Hopper. I have to give you a little tiny bit of information about Melissa. so. Back in the day, I was a director of youth ministry at a church in Central California, and Melissa was one of the youth kids who were, uh, would attend my youth group. It's so excellent to talk to you and have you here. Thanks for being here.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Mark. This is awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tell, so we're going to be talking today about a book that you have mm-hmm. written, and it's called Can We Not Talk? So introduce yourself a little bit. Um, whatever, you know, information you'd want people to know and who you are and that's that sort of stuff. And then we're going to talk about that book. So who are you? Let it introduce awesome. you.
1: Well, I um, am a mom. First of all, I have four awesome kids, been married for 10 years. Um, I've also been, and I still am the director of community education at my local pregnancy resource center. I've been in that line of work for about five years. Cool. Um, basically what I do with my work is I help facilitate, uh, public school sex education. Um, my center, we provide it to, um, all of the high schools in our city and a bunch of other schools in the area. And so we see upwards of six to 7,000 students every single year and it's really fun.
0: (laughs) Wow. So you are like an expert at talking about sex with junior high and high (laughs) yes (laughs)
1: maybe not an expert but I've heard heard a lot of things so (laughs)
0: you've (laughs) you've gotten all the questions and maybe have an answer for most of them yes so (laughs) (laughs) it is really fun that's exciting and so then you wrote this book can we Mm -hmm. not talk tell tell us like what inspired it what what the general idea is and where you're coming from with this
1: Well, I, um, in my line of work, I come across parents very often who have questions, you know, they're, um, they want to talk about sex with their teens. They want to talk about relationships or they want to just have some of those really deep discussions. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times they don't know how they think that their teenager doesn't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, um, they feel like because of the things they've done in the past that they have no business to be speaking about it to their own kids. Hmm. and So I had just kind of been thinking to myself, like, man, I wish that there was an easier way for parents to feel confident enough to have these discussions hmm. and not just that, but for it to be a two-way conversation, not just so that parents can make a speech to their teenager but that their teen feels more open and um, excited and feel like they have more of a, um, a way to share what they're experiencing too. Yeah. So when I um, was having those thoughts, I was kind of just reflecting on, you know, what it was like for me as a teenager. And I had just thought, man, I, I was a big journaler and I wished that I could have just like written a letter to my parents and said, mm-hmm. hey, like, this is what I'm going through. And I just felt like I couldn't. And so um, that kind of just birthed this idea of making a study that parents and teens go through at the same time and just talking about some of these big topics that, you know, they both want to talk about. And so that's kind of where this study came from.
0: Okay. And so it's like a study that they go through together and there's a journal involved where they're able to, in some ways, write that letter that you were talking about back and forth to one another and yeah you said I imagine and you even said this is that it really a topic that's super important that both parties parents and teenagers want to talk about but it's like how do we do it
1: right
0: and so this helps to facilitate that hopefully
1: Mm
0: -hmm. what do you
1: sorry you broke we broke up for a second
0: that's all right that's okay. okay um so i'm guessing you think parents talking to their kids about sex is really really important what is one of the most like why do you think it's so important and what are your thoughts there
1: well i mean i'm sure you agree with me like especially when you're a young teenager or an older teen your ideas about the world about sexuality about love you're seeing that modeled firsthand by the people that are closest to you. And so if it's not your parents, it's grandparents, or it's other family members. And I think that the messages that they're receiving from their own family is going to be more of the lasting messages that they're going to be receiving. So if they're seeing a relationship modeled, and they're also getting you know, the verbal uh, discussion about why something is a certain way. I think that it's going to be really important, especially when we have culture to kind of compete with, right? You can go on TV or on YouTube and you can see all kinds of examples of relationships and um, that's really loud and it's really influential. Mm -hmm. So we have to be able to, as parents, you know, use every opportunity we have and make that the louder voice in mm-hmm. our kids' lives.
0: Yeah. So utilize the influence that we have, the uh, this incredible opportunity as the parents of our teens and influence them, hopefully louder, more, more influential than the culture, than the media that's out there. That's what I think about um, when when I have the opportunity to talk about parents and wrestle through with them about this idea of talking about sex, it's like, if I don't talk about it with them, somebody else is going Absolutely. to educate them about sex. And yes, I don't want them to be educated by Twitter, by Facebook, social media, or some junior high kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to be the one to educate them. And I sense that's kind of what you're talking about. Like, let's, let us as parents and grandparents and family members be the ones.
1: Yeah. You know, there's, um, a speaker, her name is Mary Flo Ridley and she uses an example. That's just been really important to me. Um, she says your kids are like a sponge Mm -hmm. and if you think about a sponge, it can soak up water. And then when it's full, it'll stop soaking up water. You can pour more on top and it's not going to absorb anymore. And so we have to be the ones filling up our kids' sponges before the rest of the world comes around. Um, If they already know what's right and what's true, then anything else that comes around that's maybe not something you want them to believe, like it's just going to pour right off of there and they're not going to absorb it.
0: Wow. So in some ways, that speaks to the importance of these conversations occurring pretty early, maybe earlier Absolutely. than we thought.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, You know, there's a place for parents to start having these discussions and laying the groundwork, even when your kids are elementary school, even when they're asking questions about where babies come from when they're four or five. So yeah.
0: (laughs) How do you do that when they're that young? Do you think like elementary school, what's the groundwork? I'm kind of putting you on the spot because I didn't (laughs) warn you about that.
1: (laughs) That's okay. Um, I am like in that right now. I just talked about reproduction with my To elementary school boys, we're doing you know homeschooling, and so the question was, well, where do babies come from? And at this age, I think they're more concerned about like how it works, and it's really nothing about like relationships yet or feelings Mm -hmm. or any of that. So I think starting off really young by you know using correct names for their body parts so that it's not something that is a weird awkward thing later on. Um, being very matter of fact about like the biology of reproduction, studying reproduction and, you know, animals or even like plants and seeds, just understanding like this is how the world works. Mm. And then as they get older and they get more mature and as they start having more questions, you start to add those other layers of relationships and marriage and commitment and feelings, um, the more that you have those discussions when they're young, they see you as the source of information and they see you as trustworthy and they can keep coming back to you. Mm
0: -hmm. That's really cool. I like that. And framing it in the world or in the realm of reproduction, which is biology and anatomy, because what Mm -hmm. you're saying is, well, at their age, elementary school, it's not, it hasn't been sexualized yet. This is like reproduction and it's not about sexual sexual feelings and sexualizing the act. It's just, this is how, where humans come from. Right. And when we talk about it real frankly, later than that sexualized nature as their hormones start to move in them becomes part of the discussion, I imagine. Yeah. Very cool. So you mentioned, um, well, I actually read, I kind of went to your website and looked and mm-hmm. your website is called Instilled Studies. And I'm interested yeah. in that name. Tell, tell me about that.
1: Well, I was just trying to think of something that would um, adequately reflect my feeling about how this information should be given to our kids. And it's not something that's just, it's not like a truckload that's just dumped on the ground, right? If you look at what instilling is, it's just delivering a little bit of information at a time in a regular, you know, um, stream of consistency. And I think that it, it just kind of allows that truth and that, um, those values to sink deeper into your heart and your mind if it's just instilled slowly over time. Yeah. So. That's,
0: that's cool. That is the idea. That's the concept I got when I was at your website. I think there was a photo of like a brewing coffee or something on the yep. website. And it's like this idea of like slowly over time, sharing them with them, your values and beliefs and how solid that can, becomes then Absolutely. for them. Yeah. Cool. I like that name. I'm going to stick, <laughs> I'm going to hold on to that. Thank so you. then we, we get to the, the book. Um, can we not talk? Why not talk? We might've talked about that a little bit already, but so you're not encouraging people to talk. Is that correct?
1: <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> uh... So a lot of times, so part of our high school um, sex ed that we use in the public schools, we talk about how do you have this discussion with your parent about sexuality or gender or, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so often kids are like, can we just not talk to them? Can we like text them? Um, And so, you know, this idea of you're not necessarily having to talk face to face, but you can use the study and write to each other, you know, when you're writing your thoughts, you use different parts of your brain. It's easier to have self-reflection. And so maybe it's really awkward to talk to your teenager about this, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: instead, like just write it down. And you know what? Often it helps them reflect better on what you want to say too.
0: Yeah. Okay. So it's more speaking to that journaling piece and the encouragement yeah. of having them <laughs> writing letters back and forth to each other and the awkwardness sometimes of talking about it and how the journaling can help overcome that. Yep. Very cool. So some of the I was, you know, reading the chapters and looking through the book and um, thought we would touch on a few of the ideas of each of the chapters. And the first chapter is real love versus fake love. Tell Mm -hmm. us about that and what's happening there.
1: So what I've noticed a lot with um, the teenage thought process is when you're in a relationship, there's always the time where you ask the question, when do we add sex to the relationship? And so for a lot of teenagers, the answer is, well, when we're in love, then we can have sex. And, you know, that sounds great in theory, but really like there is true love and then there's something that acts like love and it's just an imposter. Mm. And so, you know, there's, um, I think in the book I mentioned that there's three main feelings that feel like love. One of them is true love. You know, it's love because it's giving, because it's selfless. Um, it's because you want what's best for the other person over yourself. Um, but the other two feelings, one of them is lust. So it's kind of the opposite of love where it's really what you can get from the other person. It's convinced about um, taking and how you can feel. And then there's also infatuation, which is just like having a really intense crush on somebody, hmm. you know, when you're feeling any of those things, it's really easy to be like, I think this is love. I've never had this before. And um, just kind of knowing the difference. is going to help you, I think, make your, make your decision. If, if this is really love, like I want to be able to, you know, to know. Right. So talking about real love um, versus like the fake love that we see in culture, where, you know, I can love chicken nuggets, I can love somebody after going to the bar and waking up with them the next day, it's really not the same. And um, I think that it's really important to start these conversations with just the idea of love. Um, because if you already are knowing that you're going to be looking for the real kind of love, and you're you're not going to have patience for anything that's a fake kind of love, then you're going to be able to have a a really good start in your relationships.
0: You're going to understand what that thing that you're looking for truly is, as opposed to the imposters and then making a decision about, is this it or is it not it? And if it isn't it, then what do I do? If it is it, what do I do?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So, you know, one of the other chapters, uh, in the book was relationship red flags. Mm-hmm. Um, that intrigued me and uh, I th- I'm, I'm thinking a really, really important topic for teenagers. So tell me a little bit about that chapter.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, I start the chapter, I just share like a really f- a funny story, how we went on a vacation and we rented a house from an Airbnb. It seemed like it was great. And then we our first night there, um, was a nightmare. Apparently the house was right next to like a busy train crossing. Our house was shaken by, you know, trains honking every like 30 minutes. There were crazy bugs and our vacation was just absolutely nothing like we had hoped it would be. And we came home more stressed out than when we left. (laughs) And we were just like, well, what has happened? Like what, what went wrong? And I think a lot of times um, relationships are the same way. Mm -hmm. People know that something isn't right, but they don't really know what it is and they don't know what went wrong and why it ended. And then they go into another relationship and maybe they repeat the same patterns. Mm -hmm. Um, So the chapter with relationship red flags, it just kind of covers different, um, different parts of a relationship that aren't healthy, different things that, don't belong in healthy relationships, like um, manipulation, controlling behaviors, um, people that have like a lack of respect, things mm-hmm. like that. And I know for a lot of teenagers, they don't recognize that those are red flags until wow. they've lived some life, right?
0: right? So
1: just being able to, you know, show that and then look for examples of it in culture, in people around you, I think is just really really
0: cool and really important. Yeah. So it's helping to sort of increase awareness for the teenager about those different red flags, the things that they want to, that they would want to look out for in Mm -hmm. maybe that first or those early relationships that they have. Yeah. Then of course enabling parents to talk about those things with, with their teenager and help them navigate that for sure. Yeah. Hmm. I'm thinking about and, you know, I've encountered people and uh, teenagers that I've worked with who have been in what I might look at and be like abusive relationships and they didn't have the opportunity to, it was hard to talk to their parents about that. And it, and really the talk with the parents about it came after there had been already been some hurt. And yes, so to be, have those red flags ahead of time could be so helpful in being able to avoid some of that hurt, I would imagine.
1: Yeah. And I think too, you know, for teenagers, they don't want to share with their parents every aspect of their, you know, relationships. And so just for parents to kind of have a more clear um, picture of what are some things that you can notice that are not great here? Mm -hmm. I think it's really helpful just in preventative um, ways.
0: Yeah. And so a couple of the other chapters, uh, there's a chapter on boundaries, a chapter on standards, and those seem to be things about like challenging the teenager to assess and decide ahead of time, what do they want and where, what are they going to do? Is that accurate? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, that's really accurate. Um, the way I think about it, it's like having a plan before you get in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So the standards are the qualities that a teenager would decide would be um good to look for in somebody else mm-hmm. and then they're also kind of without realizing it thinking of the opposite the things that they want to avoid with somebody else mm-hmm. and then once they find that person the other part of that is boundary so you you're in a relationship have you given thought to how far you want to go and what you want to hold off on um, I think that both of those pieces should be Thought about and set in place before um, a serious relationship gets going. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they follow up with the question of what is love, because I think that they're really foundational for really any relationship and also with friendships. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of friends that don't understand having boundaries and, you know, privacy. And mm-hmm. so helping that, um, helping teenagers think through those things without having to learn the hard way. Um, I think is really good. And then also when you talk about it with somebody else, when you have set standards for yourself, having somebody else know about it kind of adds another layer of accountability Mm. where you say, Hey, like, you know, this is what I'm looking for. Um, Help me not to settle for less than what I think I deserve. So,
0: yeah, that's great yeah and i'm thinking it definitely extends from the discussion of love where if this is what real love is okay then what am i looking for in that person that i'm going to pursue that real love with and what are what are my decisions about how far i'm going to go physically even and what i'm going to do emotionally even yep. at the point where i am in my life right now uh, yeah you know because I I also have encountered, you know, a number of folks who maybe give a little bit more of themselves emotionally than what they might have planned on originally and then the relationship doesn't work out and that's really really painful particularly yes. for teenagers. Absolutely. Who might not be ready for marriage, you know, there's no mm-hmm. not marriage on the horizon for 5 or 10 years yet. So yeah. if we give too much of ourselves emotionally, that can be painful too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that um for me personally I had to learn a lot of those standards I was looking for in somebody I had to learn the hard way Mm -hmm. by finding who I didn't want. Right. And that did lead, it did lead to a lot of um, heartbreak and just, um, you know, teenage angst that maybe I didn't need to be, you know, experiencing Mm -hmm. at that time. Um, When I did finally get it right, you know, I, that's when I did find my husband And so I know on a personal level, just how important it is to set those for yourself.
0: Yeah. It brings me back to what we talked about with the conversations with parents Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: how influential parents can be. And the idea of, you know, I think, I really think parents want to share their values with their kids. They so badly want to pass their values on and this is one of the ways to do it, those ongoing conversations about these, you know, particularly yeah. sex and gender and love. But in many topics oh, yeah. is how we pass on those values um, and influence our kids in that way.
1: Yeah. And you know, I think too, it's really important that parents feel like it's okay to share um their shortcomings and like the mistakes that they've made in the past. Um, You know, even sharing an example of maybe a bad uh, relationship that they've been in or Mm -hmm. something that they've had to learn the hard way. You know, um, I think sometimes parents feel pressure that they have to have all the right answers and they have to know exactly what to say. Um, But really, like, I think teens, especially, they really resonate with stories and with personal experiences. Mm -hmm. And sometimes being able to see their parent in the light that makes them more human than perfect, um, I think it really helps. Also,
0: yeah, very good, so there's a chapter um There's a chapter on pornography, and yes. I've actually done two podcast episodes on pornography, one okay. of just me talking, and one where I interviewed a chaplain at a university and his encounters with um pornography amongst college age students mm-hmm. and I think it is an incredibly important topic to talk about early. Absolutely and and Mm -hmm. talking with our kids about it and how do you so how do you address it in the book and where do you what angle do you take it from
1: well in the book i just refer to a few studies that show what the effect porn has on a teenage brain um and i also take the stance i believe that pornography is not healthy for most people but especially for teenagers Um, so we take a little bit of time and we look at how pornography really messes up the liking system in your brain and the wanting system in your brain and how the more you consume pornography, you know the less satisfying it is and the more time you're investing in something that's not even reality and you know there's there's tons of stories and examples of people who have really been hurt by, Believing the lies of pornography about relationships and about dating, and they'll consume pornography, they'll get into a relationship, they'll realize that this has nothing to do with actual love and actual real life. Mm -hmm. And you know, at that point, there's more than one person there who could be hurt if you're in a relationship. And so, in the book, it just spends a little bit of time, you know, talking about why pornography is bad, and the fact that you know a lot of parents don't realize how much their teen could be exposed to porn without them, you know, being aware. Um, I think I even used like an example or a statistic. I think that at 60% of parents, they said that they talked about porn to their kids, but only very few kids thought that they had ever talked about it with their parents. Hmm. So, you know, um, it just has to be talked about, openly and matter of factly and not parents kind of tiptoeing around thinking that they've talked about it when really they haven't
0: and probably spoken about on an ongoing multiple times as opposed to one one really big time or something like that but just more of a real frank and ongoing discussion Um, right yeah I was oh man there was a story or a statistic that came to my mind when you're saying that Hmm. oh i was it was about it was relating to our discussion on love and real love versus fake love and the conversation i had with um the chaplain who had spoken about pornography and he kind of teaches about pornography um, in different churches and schools and stuff. He talked about the, um, the fakeness of pornography. And so if we're talking with our kids about real love and what real love is, then maybe, you know, they can, you know, have encountered pornography and be like, well, this isn't real love. So maybe they can spot the fake a little bit earlier if they've been educated in the real thing and but also you know your your story your comment of just like how what is demonstrated or what is portrayed in pornography as love is not the real thing yeah and that's where we get sidetracked and get really we fall for a lie when we walk down that road I think so yeah um, that was what I was struck by but
1: yeah Something that I'm really excited about for this chapter um, in the journal, there's an opportunity for the parent to make a promise to their teen. I think, I think it's this chapter saying, you know, if you're struggling with anything, this is how I'm going to help you and this is how I'm going to support you. And um, it just made me feel excited if, you know, there is a teenager who reads this and who is struggling with porn. They're afraid to say something there's already been a chance for the parent to, to promise, you know what, I still love you. We're going to get through this together. And I think that that's a real barrier when somebody has fallen in that trap of getting out. It's just having someone there to support them.
0: Yeah. And, 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 you know, talking about bringing it to their parents, bringing it to the light, which in my experience, there's a lot of shame that goes along with, people who are stuck in in pornography and maybe even addicted to it and so to Mm -hmm. talk to somebody about it can be really really difficult but as you're saying if a parent has already committed to hey you know what no matter what you say no matter what's happened i'm gonna be supportive and i'm gonna accept you and love you opens up that door to talk about that thing that is the scariest thing in the world possibly to talk about absolutely yeah so then, the I, the last chapter, I believe it's the last chapter, is about building a healthy relationship. Yes, um, which makes total sense in regards to yeah. So this is these are some of the things to watch out for, and then how do you construct a healthy relationship? So what do you focus on in that chapter?
1: So in this chapter, um, this is taken more from some of the principles that I talk about at my job at um, the Pregnancy Resource Center. Um, but it's just a lot of practicals about, okay, if you like somebody, if all of the boundaries and the standards are there, if you're not seeing any red flags, like, well, what, what do you do? Like, how do you build up that relationship? So this just focuses on some, I think, uh, the most important qualities of any healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. So there's, um, things like communication or values, um, having common interests with somebody. So you have things you like to do together. Um, stuff like uh commitment. So like maybe marriage or whatever commitment looks like to a person, um, physical intimacy and sex. And so it just outlines different important qualities in the healthy relationship. And then the teenager and the parent get to work through, well, what is the best order for these to be kind of laid as the foundation? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you're looking at a pyramid, which is what the picture is in the book, you know, you got to start at the biggest layer at the bottom and that's the biggest foundation. And then um, you have to build up. And so for a lot of people, Communication is like the most important okay. foundation for their relationship, right? And for other people, it could be having similar values about, you know, um, politics or religion. And so, with the parents' guidance, the teenager can start considering what would they like to see in their relationship, and what would be the healthiest in their eyes. Um, knowing that, you know, not every relationship is exactly the same, right. but there are some commonalities between just about every healthy relationship.
0: Okay. Yeah, I like the idea of the pyramid that you're talking about as building that foundation for the relationship and stacking on top of that, which probably helps make decisions about boundaries and uh, if if the foundation isn't settled or if we're having troubles with communication or some of those lower level um foundational things, then we're probably not moving on to the next level because we know that the foundation isn't solid. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, if you're thinking about and, and challenging parents and teenagers to talk about sex, to address these topics together, what's the, like the one thing you would want them to walk away with from if they were listening to this podcast, for instance, and they walked away, what would, what would be that really important point?
1: Hmm. I think overall, I think respect is one of the main, the main thoughts and ideas. You know, you have to have respect for each other to have these conversations. You have to have respect for yourself if you actually want to have healthy relationships. Um, really, I think respect is one of the common denominators. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you know, if you don't respect somebody else, then you're not going to respect their boundaries. And if you don't have um, you know, uh, if you don't respect what your teenager's thoughts and feelings are then any conversation you have with them, is not going to be productive. Mm -hmm. And so just coming together and understanding like, Hey, I am a human with flaws and they're a human with flaws, but you know what together, like we can make some good, have some good discussion and, you know, make some good decisions together. I think that's probably really important.
0: Yeah. I love that idea of respecting the teenagers view and opinions and beliefs. And I yeah. think that's a hard transition for parents to make where yeah. when they're, by the time they're teenagers, they have their own perspective on life. They mm-hmm. have hopefully internalized some of your beliefs and values, but also they're probably experimenting with some beliefs and values that are different than yours. Yeah. And talking about those things and respecting those things goes a long ways towards opening up the opportunity to have conversations. If we're not respecting those things, we probably won't get to hear much about them. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I really, really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about this and hear about the book and hear, get caught up with you um, in regards to your life and how things are going. If people want to purchase this, or you know, find out more information about you and what you're doing and in Instilled Studies. How do they do that? Where would they go?
1: Um, they can check the website, which is instilledstudies.com. Okay. They can also follow my Instagram, which is instilled studies, um, <laughs> and I also have a Facebook page called Instilled Studies. So many options.
0: Excellent. Well, again, um, thank you so much. Um, really thankful to have had this conversation and look forward to having these discussions or not discussions, these journal writing back and forth with either my boys, um, or my daughter when, when it gets to be that time, just really hopeful that, um, more people get to hear these messages and go through the study and, and that it's, that it's fun for you and and you get to, you influence the people in the way that you want to.
1: Yeah. That's my hope. We'll see. (laughs)
0: thank you for listening to the connected family podcast we're dedicated to helping you build resilient kids strong marriages and connected families if you'd like to continue the conversation about talking with your teens regarding sex and sexuality please join our facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash the connected family podcast This group consists of additional resources, discussion regarding episode topics, and support for building a connected family. You can also follow us on Instagram at Connections Family Counseling or our website at connectionsquincy.com.